church at home today. In fact, we are doing church at home, and we're so excited to welcome you into our home, which we just got to move in one week ago, and we are so stinking excited about being here and you guys joining with us. Now, as you know, or may not know, we actually are in a series called Long Story Short, and the idea of this series is for us to take the whole of the Bible and condense it into six weeks. Now, that's a big task, but I think if you go back over the last five or five weeks that you'll see that it's a pretty unique story that you and I find ourselves in. And so today we're going to embark upon the very last chapter, if you will, the very last piece of this God story. Because, you know, at the end of the day, however we look at the Bible, this book was written over a 1,500-year period by over 40 authors, uh, not authors, but authors. Uh, I don't know if there was an author who wrote part of this. I don't think so. But uh, 40 authors. And this book has transcended time, years, and is probably the most controversial piece of historical document that we have about one man. Now, I want you to think about that. 66 books, if you're Protestant, 73 books, if you're Catholic, make up a story or comprise, if you will, not make up as in it's not truth, but a story about one man. In the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, we find that this one man was found in type and shadow or types and antitypes as some of the language would be. And these types would be in the color of thread. These types would be in a structure, the layout of furniture and a tabernacle. These types would be a rock. These types would be a cloud, fire, wind, rain. These types would be prophets and leaders, all pointing to one person, ultimately culminating in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so when we tie these books together, when we take the Old Testament covenant or the Old Testament, which testament means covenant, and we go from Genesis to Malachi, from Malachi to the book of Matthew, there was about 400 years historically where God said nothing that was written or recorded. I'm not sure if it was complete silence. I wasn't there. I know the gray and the beard could make you think that, but I wasn't there. But in Matthew, we hear of this man named John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Actually, it starts in verse 1. But in verse 17, John comes declaring, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is coming to you. The King James would say, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some even interpret, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is is here. Now, whenever we hear this message, repent, we have to keep context over content. Remember, if you follow anything that I teach you, you know that I often say context over content. So I want to get some of my notes pulled up here. Most of it's right up here, at least for this message it is today. But I wanted to share... Um, this thing, because I think if we look at the context of what Jesus or what John the Baptist started out preaching 
and what Jesus would preach literally only one chapter later, the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is among you. The kingdom of heaven is coming. The there's, a, there's, a, there's a theological expression called already, but not yet. In other words, it is partly here, but the rest of it is coming. Y'all excuse me, my nose is going crazy. It is partly here, but the rest is still coming. In other words, there's something greater to arrive. We've seen it in part, but one day we will see it in whole, which takes me to the context of the book of Revelation, which for many people is a terrifying book. It is scary because, as I've said many, many times, there are certain books that were written back in the 90s that really tried to paint a picture of this coming apocalypse, this coming doom and gloom on the world that Jesus himself never prophesied would happen in the context with which we have made it out to be in cinema and in books, right? I'm not saying judgment isn't coming, but to the believer, your judgment has already taken place on the cross. Praise be to God. Amen. Why? Because we are products of grace. Amen. So we're going to dig in the book of Revelation chapter 21 and let's read what it says. Okay. The book of Revelation chapter 21. Now I want to make sure that I get all the proper verses here because I don't want to mess this up. We're going to start in verse one. Okay. Revelation 21 verse one. Then I Speaking of John, he was on the Isle of Patmos. He was uh, pushed there as punishment uh, for being one of the first apostles. He was actually the last living apostle, uh, or the longest living apostle that had actually seen Jesus physically. This is John the Beloved, okay? So he says, Then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. See, this right here introduces a contextual problem for many people. Why? Because they go, if it says it's passing away, does that mean God is getting rid of it? We'll get there in just a moment, okay? And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Wait a minute, what? I thought we were going up. I thought heaven was there. We'll get there in a little bit. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He, dwell with, he, he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give them the spring of water of life without, without payment. Without payment. 
I'm sorry, something interrupted the broadcast there. I apologize. Without payment. Now watch this. This is beautiful. Let me show you what happens right here, okay? Jesus gave a revelation, or God gave a revelation of himself to this man named John. He gave him a revelation of himself to this man named John. Now, if you go from Genesis, I mean, from Revelation 1 all the way through, there's a lot of apocalyptic language. We see things about seals, trumpets, beasts, horns. We see the seven churches, uh, the church of Laodicea, the church at Thyatira. We see all these, the church at Sardis, considered the dead church. There's, there's these, all these things were written, hear me, for your benefit to know one complete thought about the end of the world. Are you ready? I'm gonna summarize the book of Revelation this simple for you. Are you ready? The beast is defeated because of Jesus. The beast, and here's the deal. The beast can be Satan. The beast can be the Antichrist. The beast can be the beast in you, your flesh. And my friend, there's no greater beast revealed in scripture, hear me, than the beast in you. The beast, the fleshly, rebellious nature of you and me. I am the greatest enemy of my own life. Did you get that? And I hope you can really admit that for your own life, okay? Now, am I saying all the other theological thoughts don't matter? That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that our focus needs to be where Jesus wanted it, and that is this. It needs to be on him winning the battle for you and I. The, the focus needs to be on the beast is conquered, Jesus is king, so we don't have to worry about any. Thing. We preach the gospel of the kingdom, and he takes care of the rest. This is why I don't worry about political matters as much as I did at one time in my life. Yeah, there are things that bother me, things that break my heart. We've seen some devastating things happening in our country, oh, even over the last month. I mean, coronavirus in itself, right? This is nuts. My question is this. Toby Mack said something on socials that I shared the other day. And he said this, what if we were to believe our Bibles as much as we do about the other things we read on social media? What if we were to believe the truth of God's word? You see, the truth of God's word is the beast is defeated and the book of Revelation teaches us this. That's why the word says, blessed are the one who reads this book and understands this book and gets this revelation that we are victors, we are conquerors through Jesus Christ. So let me teach you and share with you scripturally what this looks like for you and I. Why does heaven matter for you and I? Because if I'm honest with you, heaven there isn't doing me any good here unless I invoke heaven to invade earth. Woo! I'm excited. Let's get to this, okay? Here we go. Now I'm going to give a little context here, okay? So... I've got to go back to last week. Remember we spoke about the resurrection of Jesus? I gotta go back to that. The Bible calls Jesus the first fruits of God. The first fruits among the living. The first fruits of the dead. There's different definitions of way that's interpreted. At the end of the day, he was God's first fruit offering to you and I. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his first, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, okay? That the world will not perish. We get that, right? We know the scripture. If you don't know the passage, let me know and I'll help you out understand that, okay? Jesus became the first fruit, the offering of God. Now, another word for first fruit, another way to say this, this is a remarkable to me, okay? Is the word installment. You see, next month, the bank is going to ask for us for our first installment payment on this house. I wish we could have paid in cash. That's just not in our life right now, okay? But the bank is going to ask us to pay that first installment on the fruit of our labor. They're going to come for it. And if we don't pay that in about 90 days, 120 days, they're going to ask us to please move out. Well, Jesus knew that if the first fruit, the first installment wasn't paid and to cancel the entire debt at some point, at some point we would be asked to leave this place, right? And I hope you get the analogy there, right? We would be banished from the love of God forever, eternal darkness, right? So Jesus becomes the first installment. And that first installment is really where the resurrection is. You see, every Easter we, we celebrate and preach the goodness of God, the resurrection of Jesus. It is the culmination of the Christian faith. But I gotta tell you something, the resurrection was just the first installment. There's actually another act that Jesus will do to fulfill even a greater thing than resurrection. And what is that? John, uh, Revelation 21 teaches us this, a new heaven and a new earth, okay? Again, Jesus is the first installment. He's the first of all harvest. He is the first of all things harvest. So as great as the resurrection was, it's the first installment. Now, you see, John was writing this not for us to sit around and think in an abstract way, but really he was writing it for a specific people group. You gotta remember, these first early Christians, these first century to second century Christians were a church or are people that needed a living hope. They needed something to reach toward that was well beyond what they were facing. Can I tell you why? Because of where they were in the history of the world, okay? So I'll get to that in just a moment. So this idea is that Jesus enters this or shares this new nature of something coming down rather than him going up. Because you've got to remember, at the end of the resurrection, the ascension happens. Jesus goes up, right? So he flips the script and tells us later through John that it's not about going up, but rather something coming down. This is coming down. John is getting a vision of the future, okay? The end of time, the end of history. It's not, an, it's not individual souls rising up and escaping earth. I hope you got that. It's not individual souls rising up and escaping earth. We call that escapism in theology. But rather, heaven coming down, and hear me, transforming earth. At that point, we would have new bodies. He's not just redeeming our spirit. He's redeeming this flesh, this body, perfectly healed, this material world, perfectly healed in the kingdom of God. See, here's the thing about it. In the kingdom of God, you don't hover, you walk. We're not sitting around in esoteric bodies or spirits floating around in heaven playing harps, naked on clouds. No, we walk. We experience this earth. We walk, we hug, we kiss, we eat, we feast in the kingdom of heaven. 
How do we know this? Jesus showed us this after his resurrection. Jesus ate fish with his friends, so a glorified body still has food. Jesus said, hey, I want you guys to come over here. I've been resurrected now, I'm paraphrasing, of course, and they're sitting by the water, and Jesus cooks a fish for breakfast, and they enjoy fish together in Jesus' glorified state. Jesus was showing us a picture of what resurrection fulfillment looks like. It's not about us going there, but it's about us eating and dining with him here, yes, him physically, bodily, spiritually, here as the Lamb of God in this earth. So we have to get this world, hear me, back to Eden. We have to get this world, and that's where the kingdom work comes in. That's why it's important for us to do kingdom work. Why? Because Eden still needs to exist, and in fact, prepare this earth for a new kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth. So, I love this though, what Eden was, hear me, now turns to the city of God. Remember last week I said there was a garden of Eden, there was the garden of Gethsemane, there was the garden tomb, but then we see the culmination, this inauguration of something new. Now Jesus comes and says, I'm going to set heaven on earth. Why? Because earth can't fix earth, only heaven can do that. So Jesus comes and does his thing, man. He comes and rocks this earth with his goodness. You see, we long for what we've never had. Isn't that true? You and I, we long for what we've never had. We've never had a body without sickness, or we've never had a world where bodies were without sickness. We've never had a home without problems. We've never had a mountain that we could just ascend. We had to work hard. We long for what we've never had. We want to have a body, a home, a mountain, a beach, a family, a soul, a world that's perfect. But hear me, John says that's still coming. You see, earlier I told you that this was important for us because Jesus, or because earth becomes the dwelling place of God. Verse three, he says it in verse three. I told you earlier that that was important. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. If God was expecting us to go there, why didn't he say the dwelling place of man is with God? So you can't just read the Bible. You have to read the Bible. Context over, hear me, let me say it content, right? God says, listen, I came to you at birth. I'm Emmanuel, God with you. That's been my plan since the birth of Jesus. That's been my plan since the Garden of Eden, baby. And it's going to be that way from now on. God will dwell with man. That is his heart for you and I. And the way he does that is through this new heaven and this new earth, right? You see, when our relationship with God is put right, Every other relationship is put right. Everything sad will be wiped away. It's coming. This is on its way. It's not individual souls leaving, but it's heaven coming. This earth needs heaven. This earth needs a makeover, right? You gotta remember, Revelation chapter two and three, he's writing to a group of people that need hope. They need this new heaven, this new earth. Why? Because they're under major persecution from a Roman emperor named Domitian. And Domitian was this first genocidal maniac who's just wiping out Christians. And I'm talking about he's doing things to Christians that would make you cringe. You see, in verse four, John shares this in 21. Let me read this to you. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore 
for the former things that passed away. What is this former thing, Matt? It's this idea of complete destruction of the church of Jesus. And now Jesus is king and all peace is there. You see, for the first century Christians, even after that in the second century, hundreds and thousands of Christians would be lined up and hung on street poles. Crosses, mutilated, burned alive, torn apart. Did you know that even in the first century to the, to the latter end of the first century that Christians would be sent to the arena as a sport to watch beasts literally tear their bodies apart only because they were Christians? This is what they did. So they had to have a hope. And hear me, we as Americans know nothing about that level of hope. We know nothing about the need for that level of hope. But this is why people would die for this. This is why Christianity spread because they go, certainly these people believe in something that is beyond our comprehension. They're all not crazy. So something had to happen. And it was, they had an experience with the resurrected Jesus. In fact, the more the Christians were killed, just like the Old Testament says, the more that the children of Israel were oppressed and beaten, the more they grew. The same thing happened with Christianity. Why? Because of John's vision of Jesus. And what they knew Jesus would eventually bring to earth. So why aren't they trying to escape? Because they knew something greater was coming. So here's, my, here's a point that I want you to lean in, okay? We aren't trying to escape, but rather anticipate. We aren't trying to escape. We are trying, or we are, anticipating. What are we anticipating? All things made new. And we see this the very first thing as I opened up with. Jesus and John both declaring, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's coming here, right? Something's happening here. Luke chapter 17, he teaches us that the kingdom is not there. It's not there, but the kingdom is within you. The writer of Hebrews would teach us that the kingdom that we have in us cannot be shaken. Why? Because it ain't going nowhere. When he said it's coming, he said it's coming. It's a promise you can bank on. So what do we do with this information, man? Well, I'm, I'm so glad you asked about that, right? So when Paul is writing to the Christians at Rome, he would teach us that we're a part of a kingdom that's not of this world. And it would show up as a foretaste through the power of the Holy Ghost. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, he said, this kingdom, this coming thing, this foretaste of what you're gonna get is actually righteousness, peace, and joy. And remember, it's only found in the Holy Spirit. So what do we do with this? Well, I love what Tim Keller says. He says, the way you live now is completely controlled by what you believe about your future. The way you live now is completely controlled by what you believe about your future. In other words, am I living now to get out of this earth or am I living now to make sure other people in this earth experience the kingdom that I have experienced? And I'm not talking about church. The kingdom and church are two separate things. The kingdom has been here since, the, since, since eternity past. The church is... 2,500 years old, right? So I'm talking about the kingdom, this thing that we experience, that we live in, not just something we preach about or attend on a Sunday. So what we believe now is completely controlled by, or what, how we live now is completely controlled by the future that we believe we have or the future, or what we believe about our future. What is coming, not where are we going? Because let me tell you, I grew up with a whole host of Christians that literally the pastors did not have retirement. They would not take care of themselves physically. They did not save money. You know why? They said, well, the Lord's going to return and take us out of here. They missed the whole point. 
He says, I'm not trying to take you out of anything. In fact, one time the disciples said, Jesus, can we go where you're going? He says, no, you can't go there. That's not for you. I'm going to prepare something for you. Why? Because I'm going to bring it here in glory and power to restore and redeem everything that's been broken. Not just your soul, but the cosmos. So when I live like I'm leaving, what does it matter how I treat the earth? I can trash it. But he's saying, no, I want you to till the garden. Make it like Eden through righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, this is why we preach, teach, sing, worship, communion, laugh, pray, give, and serve. We are preparing earth now for then. We're preparing earth now for then. That's kind of the title of my message, now and then, right? We ask God, the Holy Spirit, to give us eyes. This is what we've got to do with this information. Ask God to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mind to know the things of the kingdom. This is where Jesus is revealed at great measure. This is where you learn to give joy and live in joy. The kingdom of life is where you do not live in defeat. I need to say that again. The kingdom life. I'm not talking about the church life. I'm talking about the kingdom life is where you do not live in defeat. Why? Because you are hidden and Satan is defeated. You don't even speak of him as a worthy opponent. Because where the kingdom is, the king reigns. Glory be to God. Where the king is, the kingdom reigns. Or excuse me, where the kingdom is, the king completely reigns. Do you ever ask your question? Do you, do you ever ask yourself this question? How do some people just live free, Matt? How do some people just live in freedom? I'm going to tell you how. It's kingdom thinking. You see, in the kingdom, we don't think down, we think up. We don't look down, we look up. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Somebody type in the comments, Matt, it's a choice. It's a choice because of the revelation of who Jesus is now and what he will be then. God, I hope you got that. I want to tell you today before we go, you have a bright future. You do. Why? Because the place you live, whether you live in Dixon County or whether you live in the UK, or whether you live in Nairobi, whether you live in Japan, wherever you live, you have a bright future. Because the place you live will be whole, it'll be redeemed, and it'll be perfect. Lean in here. Come on, lean up out of your seats. Come on, pull, even pull your phone to your face if you need to. Listen, listen, listen. Heaven will be where you are. Heaven will be where you are. John told us so. And you know why John told us so? Because Jesus told him so. This is the hope, man. This is the hope. We're not trying to escape something. In fact, we're praying the prayer in Matthew 6. Our Father who art in heaven, Actually, let's pray that before we close. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen. So today... You say, Matt, you forgot the latter part of that prayer for thine is the That was added in a little bit later, but we do know his, his, the prayer ends right there. 
but for those who need it, for thine is the kingdom, the glory, and the power forever. Because that is still true, amen? Well, guys, I hope today has been a blessing to you, and I hope that you understand a little bit more about heaven. Heaven is not something where we're trying to go to, but heaven is something we're trying to get here. So let me ask you this before we go. For your children's sake, for your grandchildren's sake, for your great-grandchildren's sake, and for your great-great-great-great four generations, for those children's sake, are you going to try to escape here? Are you going to try to prepare it for them to experience heaven on earth so that when he comes, this whole thing is made new and you are already ready and prepared to host the king of glory?